everybody, and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell, and this is a somewhat makeshift episode for me. I'm recording under a blanket fort in New Jersey, uh, so apologies if the sound is a little bit wonky or if my daughter comes bursting in mid-recording to share her thoughts on Weston McKinney. Here to bring the professionalism to this podcast is our friend and yours, Felipe Cardenas of The Athletic. Felipe, how's it going, my friend? I'm doing well, Taylor. I'm picturing you in a, in a, like in a fort with like yeah. pillows and a bunch of covers and things like that. My son would love it. So. Oh yeah. That's the best way to record. You, you put the pillows around you. You have the little peephole in case someone does come knocking. You can check it out, but ultimately you can focus on the, uh, the podcast ahead. I'm glad that your son would approve. Of course. Yeah. We do, we do that every weekend. Forts are cool. You know it. I, I do appreciate that you are bringing the professionalism to this one. We talked a little bit before we started recording, and you were watching this game last night, the USA's resounding win over Grenada. That's how I'm supposed to pronounce it, apparently. Uh, 5-0 win for the U.S. Uh, Felipe, your overall thoughts on the game? I think everybody was maybe expecting that win, uh, but do you find yourself having some questions answered, or do you have as many or more questions uh, as you had going in? I feel like because of the opponent, uh, there's not a lot to take away. You know, I think it was very intentional that the players that were on the field where they were playing, uh, and, and that's what these games are for. Greg Berhalter or any national team coach is going to test certain players, give them a tryout essentially to see if they're worthy of going to a world cup. And so I think that's where this U.S. team is. It's not like I, I don't see this as a tactical breakdown type of game. I think yeah. there are pl- plenty of tactics at play. Yes. Uh, but the, the type of opponent, which essentially becomes a sparring partner that you're able to test yourself against, you can put players out there. That's what I took away. I think there are still a lot of questions with the U.S. team. Honestly, Taylor, I still look at this team even when they're full strength. And I'm like, I'm still trying to picture and wonder how they will play against a very good opponent in a high stakes World Cup game. And so there's not you cannot determine or get those answers after last night's game of 5-0 win, which in the end, that was the scoreline that I think, as you mentioned, everybody expected. But yeah, I think there's plenty to talk about. All right. I look forward to doing so because I was watching this uh, w- with a buddy of mine uh, who tends to place wagers on games. He went to to bet on this one, and I think you couldn't predict that anybody would score because there were so many different players who could. I think the odds were really bad, and I'm not sure you could actually place a bet on the U.S. to win, or, or if you did, it was like you had to bet a million dollars and you'd win $10. The odds basically said the U.S. is going to win this game. So I do think watching it from a will they win, what's the result, uh, how were they able to get there, I don't know how much of that is useful to me as ultimately what I saw this game to be was basically practice for playing against a team that's going to bunker and how do you open them up and the different ways the U.S. has succeeded or failed at doing that and how can you sort of like polish those or fine-tune them and so I saw a lot of big switches in this game I saw a lot of quick combinations trying to open up some gaps and in that way it was a nice kind of reminder that though this isn't the strongest of opponent there are still things that the U.S. can be practicing and hopefully improving upon so Felipe I'm excited to to break it all down and get your thoughts because we haven't talked a ton about the United States uh, and maybe that's a good place to start you, you obviously uh, cover Mexico for the athletic and you've We've been at uh, U.S. games together, but like, how do you think U.S. fans should be feeling about this team at present as we prepare for that World Cup? Are you thinking they, they will put in some stronger performances? Do you see some glaring weaknesses that maybe my homerism doesn't allow me to spot as readily? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there are weaknesses, obviously. I don't know. Well, I think glaring, it depends on, on your level of concern. Uh, you know, I, I still look at the, the, the center back pairing as, 
as something that is undecided. You know, Miles Robinson, who I I see often here in Atlanta, uh, I was always a pump the brakes on Miles Robinson guy as he was sort of emerging uh, because I felt like, hey, like he's not the prototypical ball playing Greg Berhalter center back, but he proved to be very unique in the, in the sort of the, the, the job that he had, the role that he had, the strengths that he has. And there's just nobody else on the team that can do what he can do physically uh, and, and sort of allow other players in front of him to do, to take more risks because you know, you have a center back that can put out fire. So I don't think the pairing, the center back pairing is, is, is determined yet. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to look in a world cup. I still think against strong opponents, quick forwards, uh, it's going to be an issue. It could be an issue. Uh, fullbacks. I still think it's something that Greg Berhalter, you know, might even lose sleep with a little bit with like, who's going to start, how are they going to play for 90 minutes? You know, last night, Anthony Robinson, I felt uh, very physical and, and determined to get forward, but just a little too, uh, a little too pacey, if you will. You know, I was looking at him. I'm like, he would be an awesome rugby player. You know, I'm like, slow down a little. Like he gets into the final third and it's, he's still going a hundred miles per hour. And that was the problem in the first half. You mentioned it. You're absolutely right. It was like a game to figure out how to bunker or how to break down a bunkered opponent in the first 20, 25 minutes. It was cross after cross after cross, and that's that's not going to work. And so they did make that change. I th- that is one thing to point out. In the second half, I felt like they were much more uh, mobile, especially in the center of the field. Uh, Jesus Ferreira sort of checking two, making runs that weren't just vertical, and it opened them up. But it just took 45 minutes to do so. But center back, fullbacks, the number nine position, obviously, is just because we got oh, a, a hat trick. I thought that yeah. was all totally resolved now. Hazy <laughs> Ferrer scored. So we're good. Yeah, Everything's exactly, good. We're going to win the World Cup. Yeah, we can yeah. just like, you know, we can forget about that one. But yeah, I mean, I think that's an obvious one that we still need to talk about for sure. Yeah, I had David uh, Goss on earlier, early midweek last week. Uh, it's tough to know when we're recording on a Saturday morning. I'm not used to this. Uh, and we were, I was basically saying, even if Ferreira scores a hat trick, I don't know if it gives us <laughs> answers to certain questions because Grenada is a weaker opponent or a relatively weaker opponent. And then he goes out and scores four. So at least he got four instead of three. Uh, but I still have some questions about him for sure. We're going to talk about him, but I want to stick with Anthony Robinson for a moment because at the start of these games of the two friendlies, it was interesting to see Robinson basically like they were running the left side clear out. It's like a page out of whichever team is employing Atraf Hakimi. It's sort of give him the entire side. Yes, he's a fullback slash wingback, but we're just going to let him do all the attacking. And that seems to be what the U.S. is doing. They did it last night with Anthony Robinson basically having the whole left side. That meant Jordan Morris moved central. Jesus Ferreira could roam around. And I think there were there were things to like there. Did yeah. you like what you saw from Anthony Robinson? Or are there still aspects of his game that you'd like to see him fine-tune between now and the start of the World Cup? Like I said, I think if he can find some balance between being really direct and putting his foot on the ball in the final third. I mean, I know he is... The, the, what you mentioned is absolutely spot on. Like tactically, you could see what Berhalter wants from him, and he can be a handful. If like if I'm playing as a right fullback or a right wing back, and he's in front of me, like you're gonna know this guy's gonna be coming at you, trying to get behind you for the entire game, and like that as a fullback or someone that's prepared for that, like that can get in your head. You might stop playing. You might not do your job because you're very concerned about this guy getting behind you. My problem with Anthony Robinson is that. Uh, while he can do that and he's gifted physically, uh, I think technique wise, when he gets in the final third and he, his sort of his brain doesn't slow down either. 
and it just becomes too fast uh, and a little bit too aggressive when at that point, when he gets behind, pick up your head, find the, find the open man. And so he doesn't do that enough in my opinion, but uh, you know, is he a lockdown starter? Probably. I don't think there's anyone else challenging him for at that, in, in that position. Uh, and in a world cup, when it, it may become way more physical and vertical on the flanks, I mean, he's a guy that I think you're going to want, even if you can tell, tell him, Hey, let's defend and, and then sort of yeah. count on him to, to match up physically with somebody. But my, my only issues with, with Anthony Robinson is that inconsistency. Once he breaks the line, once he gets into the position to, to, to find that through ball and to, and to provide that final ball, it's just not always there. Yeah. It, it does seem like it, it's sometimes overhit, but oftentimes he's going for that sort of near post, the driving ball, and it does tend to cut out. So I think I would love to see him. I think that's a great shout about just slowing down, put your foot on the ball and then pick that spot and get the ball in there, get that pass in there and add that variety to the attack. Cause he's a player who I think had the rough start and didn't have a ton of defensive cover when he first was playing for the U.S. So I think looked worse. Yeah. Maybe was fair and has become, as you said, basically an automatic starter. We would assume he'll be starting as long as he remains healthy. But sometimes when that happens, it's easy to think like, okay, that box is filled. We know where, who's going to be there. So we don't even need to think about it anymore. And I like that there's always stuff that can be worked on, stuff that can be improved. So for Robinson, it's maybe just slowing down and picking his head up and finding some options. For the center backs, it's who's going to start? And Felipe... My my way of asking you this is uh, you are obviously a fan of the Colombian national team. Uh, if the U.S. were playing Colombia in a meaningful game, which center back pairing would you be, if not concerned about, do you think could be the most troubling for a, a potent attack like Colombia occasionally has? <laughs> occasionally yeah remember, i had to get some shade in there remember i remember they went like 700 minutes without a goal in world cup qualifying <laughs> sorry uh, yeah thanks I, for reminding I was, me. i'm trying to the the failure to qualify in 2018 uh obviously was emotionally scarring and that's all fun but it was also a good sort of reminder of how that's really not fun to not go to world cup because it's three not. different times now felipe i've been about like yesterday when i was tweeting that you were going to be on the show I was I like was gonna do a, a lighthearted joke about Colombia not qualifying, and then I thought that's probably a lighthearted joke for me, less so for the person <laughs> who had a lot emotionally invested in that team qualifying. So I will oh. do my best to uh, to avoid bringing out your Colombian anger. All right, well let's pretend, let's yeah. use our imagination here and 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 imagine that Colombia has some real vertical dicey dribblers up front. Like right. if I see. Walker Zimmerman. Let's start with Walker Zimmerman because he, he's going to start. He's going to be there. Mm -hmm. So he's. We know that he's probably going to be the the starter. He might even captain the side against Wales. Who knows? But he's going to be there. For me, he's a guy that yes, he. Had, we know his strengths defensively. Uh, if I'm an opposing coach, I'm asking my my left winger perhaps or my a second forward that can drift out sort of to that left side where he's going to be because he's going to be patrolling the right side. I would try to draw him out and go at him 1v1 every single time. Take him to the end line, get him sliding, get him moving. I think that's what his where his weaknesses are. Uh, you know, Whoever is lined up against him, I think they're going to be pretty decent in the air. You know, if, if a team wants to just hopeful cross against the U.S., I'm feeling pretty confident with whether it's going to be Walker Zimmerman or John, with, alongside John Brooks or alongside Aaron Long or, you know, even Chris Richards, you know, I think those guys will be pretty good in the air, but uh, I think it's in the one V one 
the, the tight spaces and the decision making when you are considering, am I going to the ball or am I covering space? I think that's where the U.S. back line can be susceptible to, to attack. So, you know, last night we saw Aaron Long. We've seen him the last two games. Uh, a pretty decent defender, but I think along, just like Walker Zimmerman, a guy that you can trouble if you go at him 1v1. Remember Morocco? I was talking to Sam Stachel about this. Like, I thought they had a pretty interesting way to attack Aaron Long. Stick a number nine that can, that just is going to put his butt into his, into his midsection and just post him up because then you had Hakimi making those runs on the right side. So like if you can occupy a center back and make him concerned about one or two certain players, like you're going to get behind them. So we don't have the second pairing. When I look at that Taylor and it's like, Oh, you know, it might be Chris Richards because he's the younger sort of German bred uh, European football, if you will. Like I even have questions about him, a young player who hasn't gotten enough time, you know, who, who, when he played alongside miles Robinson, I believe that was in at Canada, uh, didn't have his strongest performance in a very high stakes, meaningful game. And so there's a lot of question marks alongside Walker Zimmerman. Who's that going to be, you know, John Brooks, I think we know what he gives and maybe he'll make his, his return, uh, and just to solidify that back line. But I think we all know that even with him, you know, he can be, he can have, he has his own issues if you can really occupy him and make him defend. That is troubling and uh, good to know all at once. I also appreciate that you noted that even with Miles Robinson there, there were still some things that needed to be ironed right. out, some things that needed to be figured out. So with Robinson, I, I, I think we could say out for the World Cup uh, because due to the severity of that injury. Uh, I, I always want to say, like, likely out. You never know. Medical science could make rapid evolution in the next, like, two weeks. Um, is there a center back pairing that you think could get, like, the best performance? So maybe it is against Wales where we know we need a little bit of speed because they're going to play on the counter. We need center backs who can retain the ball, keep it moving, help with possession. Is there a pairing that right now you're more comfortable with than any other? I mean, it's probably going to be Zimmerman and Richards. If you mentioned, you mentioned like keeping the ball, keeping possession, Wales is going to give the U S the ball. Absolutely. Uh, and so I think that's, that's probably a very comfortable game for Chris Richards, uh, because he's going to have the experience of Walker Zimmerman alongside him. You're not going to be tested. Like I mentioned before, with a lot of overlapping runs and overloads and, and tricky, uh, center midfielders or or a player like you know just take a, someone like Neymar that you're not sure where he's going to be he might end up right in front of you he might be making a run behind you you know Wales has that pace on on uh, on the counter uh, they have a pretty decent flank play but they have a lot of problems with final ball with like a, just a, an idea in the attack and so they're going to rely on let's sit and let's counter and so yeah I think in that sense in that game Chris Richards, if he's healthy, I feel like he's the right solution, the right option alongside Walker Zimmerman. But, you know, you mentioned Anthony Robinson and, you know, that's part of the back line and those fullbacks against a team like England that can ha that's going to have multiple players moving around, coming at you at speed. You know, that's where this this question that you've proposed that you mm -hmm. posed to me, that's where it's like, OK, we need to think about this one. It occurs to me, you and I haven't talked about the United States all that much. Mm -mm. So from a broader perspective, are there players either in this game, in this uh, Grenada game or in other games, that you tend to just enjoy watching more than others? Players that maybe you think have on-the-ball intelligence or just do things differently than anyone else in the pool is capable of doing them? 
Yeah, I think the obvious one is Yunus Musa. Like, I, I, I feel like he's still a very young player, and you can see that in a lot of his performances. But you also see, the, I think, a lot of uh, technique and confidence and composure on the ball uh, in different deep parts of the field in his own side of the field that other players don't have. That other players are typically just looking to get it off their foot, play it back to the center back. Uh, and move out of space to, to allow the ball to progress without them. But Yunus Musa is, he's already like, I'll take the ball out of my own box and, and progress it forward. And he's capable of doing that. Like that might bite him, a, you know, at some time in his career, uh, could happen in a, in a, in a big game, but he shows that ability. That's always so important in that position. Not a lot of countries have that. It's, it's pretty unique to find a player that, that has that confidence and that, you know, his ceiling is really high. So obviously Yunus Musa is that, you know, Tyler Adams, when I was at the Azteca against, you know, us Mexico game, uh, was that November? No, March. I'm sorry, March. He was a boss. Just you know, it was so fun to watch him just defend, just clean up in the midfield, uh, provide extra security to the back line, the the anticipation, the way he reads the game. Uh, that that was cool to see Tyler Adams, you know, really stepping up in a meaningful game. So obviously there are other players. You know, Aronson, I feel like could ha- be the breakout player at a World Cup. You know, I don't, and he's he's. The big question for me is he a lockdown starter, but he has interesting skill, very quick twitches and bursts that a lot of other American players do not have. And so there are there are quite a few that I think on this U.S. team that can be good and even better at the highest level where individual technique and just overall awareness on the field really takes precedence. I still think there are a few that we've already discussed that are just, you know, they're playing too fast. They're, they look a little bit overwhelmed with the role and perhaps the, the demand uh, of, of Greg Berhalter, those demands of being very specific in what they're doing. Uh, I think there are a few players that the shirt, the national team shirt, it looks like it's pretty heavy on them. And, and, and like Jesus Ferrer is an, an example. I know he scored four goals, but I think he needs to get that weight off of him. So there's still quite a few young players that, that 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 need to just feel more comfortable, and then finally Tim Weah. I think he's a player that I said it last night on Twitter. I would love to see him as a center forward, and it doesn't have to be a classic stay, you know, a, you know, back to goal center forward, but a front three of Tim Weah, Christian Pulisic, and I think Brendan Aronson. If if uh, Gio Reyna is not fit, that's I think that's a pretty interesting front three. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Ferreira maybe struggling with the weight of the shirt. I have questions for you about him. <clears throat> but first, with the players that maybe struggle more with the instruction or with carrying out exactly what Berhalter's asking, uh, like, I'm assuming this is not the case, but are, is there a part of you that wonders if the instruction from Berhalter needs to be better? Or is it more so just about players playing on that stage at that level also having to process a lot more information than maybe they normally would? It's probably a combination of both. We can use last night's first half, for example. Like, I thought Berhalter looked frustrated at times in the first half. Like, the team was tactically just out of sorts. The shape was way off. And I think they played to the level of their opponent early. Uh, you know, Granada was, was sort of disorganized and just very stout in the center of the field. And, and in the, and they had like a five man back line. They were defending, right? Uh, but the U.S. just didn't look organized at all. Uh, you know, the, 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 that's not really an experiment, but putting Weston McKinney a little bit higher, giving him 
the role of orchestrator, you know, a cam role, a, a, a creative attacking uh, midfielder. You know, I think that is there's potential there, but he's just not fit. It wasn't working. He was just uh, out of sorts as well. He's coming off that injury. But uh, so it looked like Burhalter had to sort of regroup at halftime and get the players to understand this is what we're trying to do. This is the type of opponent we have. So I think it is a combination. I think there's a I don't I wouldn't call it a comprehension issue on the on the part of the, the players. But I think they're thinking a lot of, about a lot of things all at once. Uh, I think they've been in this system and this process, this under Burhalter long enough to understand even the tweaks that he's going to want to have. But sometimes there are games that it looks like that first 45 where everyone, uh, I think it looked too scripted. The, yeah. the attackers were, 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 were pressing big time as when they would get their chances. Uh, and it just they needed a break at halftime because it was a completely different game in the first in the second 45. The, the two scripted one is a, a a slight concern of mine that I have like almost every game, even when the U.S. wins, even when they win five nil and pretty comprehensively at that. There's moments uh-huh. like in the first half of this one, I would see Weston McKinney have passing options through the middle. Uh, you'd see Ferreira sort of checking to and then making that run in behind. And occasionally there was potentially a ball on. And every time I saw McKinney check down and then hit that kind of big diagonal switch. And when it happens a couple times, maybe you can think like, oh, he just didn't spot it or it was on his wrong foot. And so he didn't back himself to hit that through ball. But once it keeps happening, it becomes sort of a pattern. And then it's clear to me, oh, no, this is a thing that they're working on, that they've identified, that they're targeting, that they're trying to practice. And that can be good if you start to kind of get better plays off of it and everybody starts to fine tune what they're doing. But it can be bad if it just comes across as like, yes, there's an open pass here, but I'm doing this because that's what's been told of me. And when you can start to see those seams, when you can see those moments of I've got to do it this way because that's what I'm being asked to do. I don't think it's an issue for the players. I don't even think it's an issue for Burhalter. But I, I think that is where you get into that issue of if it's not working well, you're sort of looking to the manager to make those adjustments. And I, I wonder if it removes some of the onus on the players to figure things out. A little bit. You know, you can take the fullbacks, for example. I think once once the ball would, would get to a position where Reggie Cannon or Anthony Robinson were now in position to make the final pass, uh, it was the same pass every time. Areola as well was getting through and just slamming the ball into the middle. And listen, like sometimes in games, like that's fine. Like that, you're, you might get to a point in a game where those are big chances. You're, you're putting the, the defense on their heels. Uh, you're forcing them to to, to really uh, cover the, the six yard box. You're forcing the goalkeeper to to be at the near post to to, to question: Am I coming out? Am I am I staying? Am I am I staying on the line? Is this going high? Is this going low? So it's not like those 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 chances should be dismissed. But I don't think the U.S. has at those positions like fullback. Uh, players that when you get through this, perhaps the scripted part or what you're consistently training, where you know once that ball switches, you know triggers are everyone sort of has a trigger. Um, I don't think you know Reggie Cannon or Anthony Robinson is the type of player that once he gets that ball on the switch, he's thinking about different options. Like I'm going to take my guy, guy on. I'm going to do a, you know a different sort of a near post, a near post pass, a far post pass. It just seems very. Uh, unpredictable honestly and that that to me is 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 shows just a lack of experience by those players in those situations uh you know they're not those the players i just mentioned reggie cannon and anthony robinson i don't think are 
strong one v one players. You know, Anthony has the has some some technique issues in my opinion. Like he's not going to scissor scissor uh, step over a guy and just like dice him up. Like so, you know what he's going to do. He wants to get to the end line and get that ball in. So, uh, yeah, I think th- th- a little bit of improvisation works. Like that's what I felt was needed in the first half. I'm like, listen, guys, like we know what, what Grenada is trying to do here. Like break them down. Like the hopeful cross is not going to work. Like they're waiting for it. And so I think that, like you mentioned before, it did improve uh, a little bit in the second half. What about the starting central midfield? We had Kellen Acosta, we had Weston McKinney in the more advanced advanced role that you mentioned, and then Luca De La Torre. Uh, any one of those three stand out to you in a positive or negative way last night? Yeah, I mean, the obvious answer is Luca De La Torre, who I've been high on for months, months. And U.S. Men's National Team Twitter... Man, I forget what game it was. It might have been. It was one. It might have been the the Minnesota game. I don't know. It was. It, I think it was cold. It was a qualifier where he really just, in my opinion, showed that he can be a ball progressor. He has a different sort of profile in midfield. It's very difficult to take the ball off of him. He's pretty clean at all times. He's a two footed central midfielder, which I think is both rare and uh, important in that role, and so. Yeah, last night in a game against an opponent that wasn't going to challenge you, but for him personally, he needed a big performance. Like, I think he's going to Qatar, honestly. I thought that before the game. Uh, but last night, you know, Luca de la Torre, de la Torre was, was, was that guy that was under control. He wanted the ball. Uh, you know, defensively, I think he has his limitations, but he can be a pest, I think, in, in, in ball recovery. Uh, he's not, you're not going to see him in, in, in crunching tackles, but I think he's a pretty smart player that he understands his own limitations and he's just going to be there for the team. As I mentioned before on the ball, I think he's very good. And so he was probably the top performer outside of Jesus Ferreira. Uh, you mentioned Weston McKinney. You know, I, I had these, deep conversations with Sam Stachel about where he fits on this team, Weston McKinney. Uh, it's really difficult to remove him from the starting lineup if he is fully fit because we know what he's capable of doing. He's had some big games for Juventus. He's had some big goals for the U.S. And that to me is what he is for this team. Like, I don't think he's a defensive midfielder. And so that puts Tyler Adams as sort of the lone guy in the middle like you're you're going to play with the lone uh cdm and and, and perhaps uh, depending on who you're playing and what sort of formation you're in but i don't see weston mckinney as this defensive midfielder can he get in on the tackle can he track back yes but i think his 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 energy like his being like his all of his cells are telling him get up the field you know get in the box like and he and as soon as that game started last night the first attack he was crashing the box and i'm like that that's what this guy wants to do so that for burhalter i think is really an interesting one because he want you know Mason McKinney wants to be an attacking central midfielder he would much rather be higher up the pitch and so if that happens you know that's where the the Musa Adams defensive side of the of the game has to be really tight I've started to see some people argue that instead of the MMA midfield, maybe McKinney uh, should get some rest and maybe Luca Della Torre should step in. Is that a midfield trio that you would be comfortable with or are you happy for it to be uh, Musa, Adams, and McKinney? I, I think, again, depending on the opponent, let's say it's Wales. Let's say tomorrow that's the decision. If I see McKinney uh, not in that game and he's not fit, big concern. You might be thinking, what did he do this time? 
Okay. But if he's, let's say this, this is a, a bone injury, a broken foot. Like it's, it, let's say in the next five months he re aggravates it or he just simply doesn't feel like he's the same player that he was before the injury. Uh, and, or it takes a knock before the Wales game in training. Remember, these players are going to have like two weeks to prepare. That's it. Uh, and if I see Luca De La Torre in that midfield that you mentioned, I'm going to feel fine, honestly, because of what I just mentioned he can do. I don't think Wales has this the, the, a central midfield that's going to win that battle. Uh, they're, they're, they they might want to be physical, but you know, De La Torre is, is, is not going to back down. And I think he has the quickness and, and, and the intelligence to get on the ball and just push it forward and force a team like Wales to, to track back, to, to, to once again back off the ball. And so in that sense, yeah, I think he would be fine. In, in a bigger game against England where that midfield, I mean, that is, I mean, you compare the, the English midfield, which I know they're not, they have not been great, but the players that they're going to have there, I think you want the experience, you want the, the type of player like McKinney that will force a, a midfield like England's to be like, watch this guy. If he makes that run, I've got to track him. He's dangerous on set pieces. He's dangerous on corner kicks. Like that's where you want McKenney in the on the in the game. But I think you know your question is stemming from the the, the right fit. And I think in that sense, McKenney, those are the questions. But I think Luca De La Torre, yes, is is a very solid option for the midfield. So solid option for the midfield. You're comfortable with him against maybe slightly weaker opposition against stronger opposition. There are questions about Ken De La Torre hang, which is, I guess, my way of transitioning to talking about Jesus Ferreira, because it feels like there's a lot of similarity there with obviously can do it against Grenada and score four, but at the same time hasn't exactly been clinically in front of goal for the United States. More so for FC Dallas, and Dave and I talked about that as well. Uh, what were you hoping to see from Jesus Ferreira last night, if anything, or are you sort of settled on your feelings towards him? Oh, that's a really good question because, you know, last night in my notes, I, I wrote before the game that I, I felt like he could be a breakout star at the World Cup. Like players like Jesus Ferreira, I, I feel like those are the guys that that do it sometimes in a World Cup. The, the, the unsung hero, the young player, uh, the guy that the opponents aren't sure about either uh, and and the way that he moves and kind of gets in position like sometimes uh, you know you get one or two three goals in a, in a World Cup and all of a sudden you know you're your next level player the problem is I wrote this not so sure after the last two performances and this was before he scored the four goals last night even after the four goals I'm I'm not sure. You know, I I like him. I like his mobility. That's why I feel like, you know, against a team like Wales, we we're talking about Wales again. Like he could, be, I could see him starting because of the problems that he would pose to that back line for Wales. That's going to want to be very. Uh, I think they're going to be very disciplined, and they're not want, going to want to lose their shape. And a player that's making darting runs and diagonal runs can move those sort of back lines around. But, you know, he doesn't play to me like a finisher. Like he doesn't, he doesn't, he looks like clearly at 21 years old, he doesn't even look like someone that at, at, you know, at the U15 level or the U18 level was like, Hey, you're our number nine. You know, he doesn't to me have the technique and the presence in the box of someone that's been playing center forward 
and that thinks and only thinks about scoring. And so that is a development that we're, that we're literally witnessing as, as he continues to play. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like he doesn't know where he is inside the box and he just, and he's just shooting. And, and yes, yeah, so you could argue, well, you know, I want my striker to be that hungry. Just when he gets the ball, shoot, be selfish. But Jesus Ferreira, before he got in that rhythm in the second half, uh, before he got that first goal at the end of the first half, you could see the pressing, the concern, the the lack of confidence on his weak foot if it falls to his weak foot inside the box. Uh, so those are issues that are going to continue for him. So can he start? Yeah. yeah. But is he the guy? Not sure. Yeah. No, I think that's all really fair. And, and I think uh, I, I wouldn't say like four goals, that's it sorted. I, I definitely not going that route with it. I do still think he is the USA's starting number nine right now, but I thought that heading into this game. The two things that I thought were were noteworthy on a positive front for him were, number one, his reaction to scoring almost every goal was just clear elation, and clearly it was a thing that meant a lot to him. And goal scoring is obviously an exciting thing. Every goal scorer is happy to do it. But the you first, can see that... The first goal looked like relief, though. That looked exactly. like a little bit of relief. <laughs> exactly. And especially the second goal. That was the one I tweeted about this. That was the yeah. one that had me cheering like he'd scored in the World Cup. And it's a terrible offside line by Grenada. It's not as though, as though he times it perfectly and beats it by just a half step. But he's onside. He makes the smart run. He does all the things you can ask a player to do against the opposition he's playing. But it's the the finish and how he finishes, that it's one-on-one. It's at, at a slight angle, but he puts it perfectly. It's almost in off of the, the far post. It's into that side netting. But that's a chance I think he's missed one of those in each of the past two games. Haji yeah. Wright has missed at least one or two of those as well. But for Ferreira, I, I, I was... I think because I had the time to know what was happening, to see that play develop, it's one where the forward also has a ton of time, especially if they're not a natural goal scorer, as you, as you I think, correctly summarized there, that you can overthink it and you can think, oh, far post, no near post. No, I'm going to try to put it over him. I'll try to chip him. And then in that indecision, somebody wins the ball off you or the goalkeeper makes a save or you just end up not making the right choice. And for him to have all that time, but then to finish, did make me feel like, okay, we needed that finish. If he missed that one... I start to have concerns or more concerns than I already have. So that definitely made me happy. But I also share, I think, uh, a number of people commenting on his passing wasn't great in the first half. Some of his decision making, as you mentioned, some of his movement, some of just his awareness. I think still we want to see him raise his game to that next level. But I guess this is one where it's basically all you can do is sort of keep things as they were, keep the status quo. Maybe, maybe that four goals and, and the way that second goal was taken for me raise him a little bit more, and I have more confidence in, in him as the number nine. But I, w- I still wouldn't say that I'm going into the World Cup thinking, well, that's that sorted. We got this one figured out. No problems with the number nine spot. Unless, Felipe, you disagree and you think, never mind, we're good. We're going to win the World Cup with Jesus <laughs> as the golden boot winner. Golden you say boot that, winner, I'll be really happy. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, he's gonna do, pull a Davor Sucker, just like, yeah. just go crazy. There we go. Uh, no, <laughs> deep cut Davor Sucker reference, by the way. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um, this is what I, this is what I have in my notes from last night, and this isn't just because of the performance from last night, but I, I I'm like, and I think I, I sent this tweet. It's like he, yes, he, like he's going to Qatar, and he might start against Wales, Jesus Ferreira, but he's also the type of player that would that you feel like, wow, he'd be great to bring off the bench in a game. You know, he, you know, bring him on, let him do that running, uh, you know, when you need the goal or you're, or maybe you're trying to just shut it down a little bit in a, in a different scenario. So that tells me 
that I honestly feel like the U.S. can play an entire game without him. Like you can start a different center forward there. Let's say Haji Wright continues to just be great for his club and he at this next game against El Salvador, which he's going to start according to Greg Berhalter. Let's say he tears it up. He just looks like the center forward that the U.S. needs. Uh, it, it, you know, it makes Greg Berhalter start, you know, questioning who who's going to start there. Jesus Ferreira, you know, I think my determination of him right now is despite the ceiling, the this confidence boost that he that he has after this four goal performance, he's going to Qatar, he's going to play, but I don't think he's indispensable to the U.S. yet. Like he's not a player where, you know, we've got to have him on the field. And, and and that's what I think what you want your number nine to be. That is that most teams around the world. That is the that's how they define their number nine, their center forward. It's the guy that cannot be on the bench. And so that is how I view this position battle right now for the U.S. Who is that player that you say, hey, he's got to be there right now. There isn't a player that's standing out. So that that clearly doesn't give Ferreira just, you know, you're not writing his name in, in black ink or in stone because, you know, he, he has other attributes that I think he can come off the bench. He can come in the second half. He can become, become part of a plan that doesn't make him uh, an automatic starter. You mentioned Haji Wright getting the start or uh, will be getting the start against El Salvador. Are there other players who either played last night or didn't play that you would like to see also get that start or get more minutes just to sort of get maybe more of a run out, see more of what they're going to bring to the equation or not bring to the equation if they have a particularly bad evening? Yeah, I mean, I think Joe Scally uh, is a player that I think everyone still needs to see more of, but I sort of think Greg Berhalter knows what he has in him and maybe he doesn't need to see much more. But I think he's a player that just needs more experience, uh, to, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, Christian Roldan, like what is, what is he... What is his role going to be on this team? You know, I feel like he's a player that uh, you can see as part of a World Cup roster, not necessarily starting. You know, I could see him going to World Cup and not playing, you know, because because perhaps the games don't go the right way. They don't turn out the way Burhalter had them planned for a Christian Roldan type of uh, performance or player. Uh, but he is someone that I think needs to play. I, I, I bet you he will play against, against El Salvador. I'm not sure if, if Burhalter brought that up, but, uh, he's a player that I think could use the minutes, could use the exposure, could prove to the coaching staff that like, Hey, maybe I'm not starting in your midfield, but you may need me in, in, in a game where it gets a little bit more tactical. It's tighter. Uh, he's an experienced player. He's a trophy winning player. So Christian Rodon, I think is one that you want to see. Uh, and, and I think Brendan Aronson is just like, maybe try him out in different spots along the front three. I think he has a lot of, uh, you know, you know, different traits that can, that, that, that allow you to try him in different spots from, from the, the sort of the double 10 that he played against Morocco to being a one V one sort of second striker or, or right-sided winger, maybe even as an inverted winger, you know, trying to figure out the solutions that Brendan Aronson can provide, I think is an interesting uh, sort of homework assignment in the, in the next two games. And then I think goalkeeper, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, we, I'm pretty sure everyone knows what they're getting out of Matt Turner. Uh, Zach Steffen, when he is, the Zach Steffen that I think we all know, uh, I, I understand what we're getting there. I think Sean Johnson or anyone that's in the third goalkeeper spot really needs to show that 
they should be on that plane to Qatar. So perhaps it's the goalkeeper position as well. I agree with everything you said, including that I would like Christian Roldan to start against El Salvador because I want brother versus brother in oh, yeah. that game. I think it's deserved. And I, I enjoyed uh, seeing Matt Turner last night, not just because of his Richmond Kickers connection. I do. I think Joe has slowly convinced me that it should be Turner as the number one, even if uh, Taylor Twelman and Stu Holden are suddenly advocating for Sean Johnson. I'll, I'll hang with Matt Turner uh, for now. Is there I anybody, Felipe, that you... I agree. I think it's Turner. Sean okay. Johnson makes me nervous sometimes. Like... Uh-huh. You know, he, I don't know. I think he, he, he has, this is my own, I guess my, my personal take on Sean Johnson. Good goalkeeper has had some really big performances. You remember that MLS cup last season, just, you know, bossed it. Uh, but sometimes like he, uh, there've been some howlers in his career and I feel like he's a goalkeeper that you, you're not necessarily sure what you're going to get in a performance. I think Matt Turner and Zach Steffen have, have are, are slightly beyond that sort of perception. Like you're not sure what they're going to get. Uh, Sean Johnson, I'm still not sure what sort of performance or what type of uh, goalkeeper you're getting uh, when you put him at the national international level. So that's why I think he needs to be in there against El Salvador and like, just give take a picture of what we see and so that you can sort of imagine, like, if he steps in in a World Cup, like, what are, what are we getting here? Final question for you. Uh, we've mentioned pretty much everybody uh, who started and a few people who played in the game last night. We should talk for, briefly about Jordan Morris and Paul Ariola, two players that my assumption is if we have a 26-player roster, they will be uh, brought in as wide depth. And I think both of them would essentially be, like, third-choice options like on the left, I'm guessing it would be Pulisic, Aronson, and then Jordan Morris on the right. I'm guessing it would be Wea and Reyna in some combination, and then Paul Ariola behind them. Are you okay with the two of them in those spots, or would you like to see other players given the opportunity either out wide or maybe you don't bring in Jordan Morris and you give somebody else a run at left back or at central midfield? Would you rather see the kind of depth spread around a bit more? Great question. Great question. I'm thinking about it because I think Paul Ariola of those two had the better performance uh, yeah, last, you know, sure. against Grenada, right? Like he, and I keep, I, I know I'm sort of repeating myself, but like, you know what you're going to get out yep. of Paul Ariola. Like it's, it's the, it's the, the very classic it's, high yeah. pressing, uh, like winger. I think he's sort of a, a throwback winger to what the U.S. men's national team has always had. Uh, he can be a, a pest to opponents. Uh, you're not the best finisher, but you're not asking him to do that. I think we just know that Paul Ariola has been in spots to finish some goals uh, and he hasn't done it, but he was good last night and he can play a role. I think that's so important. He was uh, between the two. He was much better than Jordan Morris. I thought Jordan Morris again, struggled uh, against an opponent that he shouldn't be struggling against. And so that, that sort of puts that question mark above his head uh, about whether or not he can play, at a much higher level for this team. But I think Jordan Morris is a player that Greg Berhalter likes. I think he wants to give him chances. Uh, I'm just not sure, you know, he's earning this, the, yeah. this, the right to go to Qatar right now, but you said, I mean, it's going to be a t- probably a 26 man roster. So I think he might be on that, the, on, on the, on the plane. Are there other options? Like, I just don't think there are other, you know, clear cut wide options. You know, Malik Tillman, I, I felt maybe the consensus was, Hey, he can play, uh, in uh, sort of in a wide channel, but you know, he, this is a big dude. I don't know mm-hmm. if, if you guys have noticed, but the big player, uh, I think he will develop more into a sort of a central midfielder, uh, 
I literally thought this last night. I was like, who does he remind me of when he was on the ball? And I, he reminded me of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, um, the, the the Chelsea midfielder, England national team. And again, I, I've always been very high on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I, I really like his game. It's it's different. He's a, he's a big, big center midfielder that's very technical. And, you know, Malik Tillman, I don't know if he's going to the World Cup. You know, perhaps that that's too much to ask, but... I see him developing into that role so that he's not a wide channel option either. I think that is you Taylor, you've brought up perhaps where there's another hole on this team, but if you have high fullbacks, you know, those become your yeah. options as well. I like, I'm just really happy with Malik Tillman that we don't, it's not a situation when he's coming in and there's a huge amount of hype and it's like, maybe he'll be the one to solve this problem. Yeah. We're not, he's not another one that we're sort of bringing in hoping will plug a hole because otherwise we don't know what we're going to do. I like that we kind of can get him in short bursts. There's not a huge amount of hype behind him so it can sort of be evaluated, figure out where he fits in or if he fits in in this cycle and then we move. Uh, so I like that there's not a ton of pressure on him. But my final question will put a ton of pressure on you, Felipe, okay. uh, because if you had to speculate and you do because I'm going to make you uh, <laughs> with Jordan Morris. Uh, going back to an earlier point you made, would you say like the issues you see for him that he isn't able to sort of handle uh, opposition like Grenada, uh, is it more, is it a weight of the shirt thing or the, a weight of the U.S. shirt thing or is it the level and intensity of the instruction that he's getting that is the issue? Well, I think Jordan Morris, s- similar to Anthony Robinson, has some of the same issues mm-hmm. you know he's a he's a player that wants to play yeah. at a very high speed you know like he's very direct and then when he gets in that position where uh you've done the work you've gotten by your guy you've made that run and the ball's right there again then it becomes a final ball issue with jordan morris uh you know there's times where like he you, you see that like even in tight spaces he's got a little bit of skill he can get out of it like he's i think he's an intelligent player in in certain moments of the game but again, it's like it, there's a lack of control with him, in my opinion, that you're not sure uh, if he's going to be able to finish the, you know, the, the ball that he's getting or provide that assist after breaking somebody down. And so, you know, we talk about wasted chances so much in soccer. And, and if you have players that aren't that, that are wasting chances, uh, you know, that's a problem. And in a World Cup, like you've, you've got to really capitalize on that, especially if you're, you're playing against opponents that put you down right away. You're, you're down a goal. Those players really have to step up. Jordan Morris, again, you know, the way I describe him is, you know, very prototypical American wide player. Like he reminds me of somebody that could have played for the U.S. Uh, like in, in the 90s, just very direct, physical, uh, you know, big body. But it, but in, in, in really tight quarters inside the box, is he going to finish? No, I don't think he's going to finish. He, he kind of, he had a, a nice ball that played into his, that they could have finished as a, with a, with a header last night, uh, that he just mistimed his jump. I think there are a lot of times where he was getting by his man, didn't yeah. know what to do with that left foot because he's playing as an inverted winger. And so then he gets on his left foot and it's just not a good ball. So just issues that have to be ironed out. But I feel like those are the same issues that Jordan Morris has always had. Let's end this one on a super awkward and super fun note for you. Uh, you've obviously spent a lot of time thinking about L Tree, writing about L Tree, covering uh, that team. Uh, if you were to back a CONCACAF team to get Quinto Partido, to get five games at the World Cup, is it the United States, is it Canada, or is it Mexico? Oh my gosh, that's a <laughs> really good question. And, and first of all, because I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to answer this question without knowing, like, oh, if you qualify a second, yeah. you're playing this team and all Fair. these things. Like, okay. Uh, 
based on current form or just gut, man. Say it. It's tough. Come on. Come on. <laughs> no, know, it is. You're right. It's a really, no, no, it's a really. It is, so let's, let's say it's like Mexico has the history, right? They have the history of getting at, you know, to the second round. Like it's what they do, no matter how bad they are before the world cup, they hear their national anthem and that's, they just play. Yep. And so you can, you're banking on that to happen again in 2022. Uh, the U S I feel like they, the, the group is manageable for them. It really is. I think they can get out of that group and they are, if they, if they can sort of find that edge, that scrappiness, they become a problem in the second round. Canada, I know everyone's high on Canada. I, you know, I, I hope the best for the Canadian national team. I just don't think, I think that group is going to be way tougher than people think. I really do. Croatia, Belgium, uh, you know, Morocco, they can beat, but they open with Belgium, you know, and if they go down, if they're down already three points in that first game, it's just going to make Canada, uh, it's going to make their path a lot stronger or a lot more difficult. I'm sorry. So, you know, I, I'm not picking Mexico, but you have to look at the history. You know, they've got there. They just don't know how to get to the Quinto Partido, as you mentioned. All right. Well, I appreciate a very diplomatic answer to that one. <laughs> I appreciate all the knowledge you brought today. Felipe, thank you so much for uh, being willing to talk about the soccer on the Saturday morning. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. What else have you got uh, coming up for the athletic or otherwise? Well, you mentioned it. Listen, it's a World Cup year. I think we're all very focused Is on it? that. Yeah, uh, we would be kicking off this weekend, right? Oh, yeah. That's if it crazy. were a summer World Cup. But instead, we're gearing up towards winter World Cup. So I'll be, you know, heavily behind, uh, Mexico as you, as, as I'm doing here, I'll, I'll be chipping in where I can with the, with the U.S. national team coverage. Uh, but, you know, big stories I think are going to come from us, uh, around not just international soccer. I think there's plenty to talk about in MLS. What's happening with these coaches? What's happening with these front offices? Like, why, why are they, why are they so quick to cut bait? I think there's a story there to do that I'm working on. So look out for that. All right, Felipe, thanks so much for, for taking the time. Like I said, very, very much appreciated. Listeners, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, we will talk to you all very soon. 